want to be when you grow up? It's a question that often plagued me whenever I was in school. And I'd always been told, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, right? And I think there is some truth in that. I think that at least being in America, we have a, a sense of being able to form our career. Uh, but the problem is, is that I changed my mind quite a bit. Um, from a young age until probably I was out of college, uh, anytime that I was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I gave them some kind of uh, answer. And my mom can tell you that I definitely changed my answer about a million times. All right. So no exaggeration there. I wanted to be anything from a, uh, an architect to a, a pastor, to a, a mailman, to a salesman, to, I mean, you name it. Like there are so many things. I even wanted to be a janitor at one point. Y'all, there are so many things because I could see myself doing them and enjoying it. Right. And there's so many things. And we ask kids this question, why? Because we know that we're all going to have to work someday, right? So you want to get it started early. Start thinking about, start dreaming about what you want to be. Now, no matter what job you have or where you've ended up, we need to know that God has given us the gift of work to do something with. And so we don't want to waste it. And so that's what we're going to dive in a little bit more about this week uh, in this series. So good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm one of the pastors here at our South Haven campus of Getwell Church. We're so glad that you've joined us for worship this morning. Uh, if you're our guest, we're glad you're here. Glad you carved out time to be with us this morning. I hope that you find it a blessing. Uh, we're in our second week of our August message series called Don't Waste Your Work, right? Uh, we all have work to do. We all have work that God has given us. We want to see it as the gift and the opportunity uh, that it is because this work matters. And so what we're doing throughout this month is we're diving into the Bible. We're looking to see what is a biblical understanding, what is a kingdom-minded perspective uh, of the work that God has given us to do. Now, if you didn't have a chance to listen last week to Pastor Jonathan's message as it kicked off the series, we'd love to encourage you to go online uh, to youtube.com slash getwellchurch. South Haven. You can find that message and also many of our previous messages uh, there. I would hope that you find that a blessing, but we'd love for you to check those out there. All right, let's jump in. Did you know that the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work in their life? Now, I'm not great at math, but I did some math on this. Don't go check me. But that is 43 years of your life. 43 years of your life. Now, you can't tell me, after me telling you that, that God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for our work. It's not just something that we're to do so that we get to retirement and get to live a good life, right? And no, God wants to redeem the time that we have at work. And so our first point this morning that I want us all to understand is that all work matters. All work matters. God cares about our work and whatever it is that he's called us to in our work. And it means for us that there's no part of our work week that is wasted, okay? Uh, that God doesn't want to do something through it. Because all week long, you work at home, you work at your job, you work in your neighborhood. And the Bible tells us that none of the work that we do is insignificant. Uh, Paul wrote for us in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so what Paul is telling us is that everything we do, including our work, it matters because we do it for the glory of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you claim his name, <clears throat> that work that you do at home and at work, it's not ever wasted. Why? 
Because if you're doing it for the praise and the glory of God, then it's his praise, his glory in which you are working it out. They're an offering to God. It's a visible way that we show our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends, that Jesus is the Lord of all. He deserves your best at, work, at your work. He deserves your most creative efforts. He deserves your most careful attention to the work that he has given you. See, God is pleased when we labor faithfully in everyday life, even in those mundane things, y'all chores, right? But even whenever we do that, it's not just pleasing to God. It's pleasing to those. It's a testimony, a powerful testimony for the unbelievers around us. So I want you to hear me out on this. <clears throat> if you were to turn to Acts chapter 18, you would find Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's in the city of Corinth, not Mississippi, but Greece. And there he is. He's uh, settling into a new season of ministry for himself. Paul, who had been called by God, gifted by God, the great man that he was for God and his kingdom and his church, uh, here is Paul settling into Corinth, and he's taking on the job, as we find in Acts chapter uh, 18, verse 3, his, his training, his giftedness as a tent maker to begin making tents. And he, he joins uh, a companion, a crew there uh, of tent makers, and throughout the week, he makes tents. And then what we find in Acts 18 is that on the weekends, on the Sabbath, he goes to the synagogue and he begins to preach the gospel there to those who have not yet believed in the name of Jesus. Now, for many of us, he is just like us. Uh, his situation in Corinth looks a lot like ours. We go to a job, right? Monday through Saturday, doing what God has called us to in that. And then on Sunday, we come to this place and we learn about God, right? <clears throat> And at first, here's the thing is that especially for Paul, you go, man, what a disadvantage. Like someone so, so awesomely gifted for, for the kingdom, here he is, he's working this job, right? Uh, it's easy for us sometimes to see and to, to compartmentalize the difference between, yeah, there's, there's this calling that we have on our life and this call that we have as Christians, and then, but hey, I'm stuck in this workplace all week, right? And it seems like a disadvantage, but it's actually a great advantage. See, here's the thing is I get paid to do this and I'm a pastor and y'all expect that I would talk about Jesus in the Bible, right? Uh, if not, I hope you hold me accountable to that. But a, a non-believer expects that from me. But you have a unique, a unique opportunity day in and day out with non-believers to speak truth into their lives by the reach that you have, by the people that you come in contact with each and every week. Like we can't be, we can't be divorcing our workplace and what God has called us to and created us for from each other. Paul lived a life for Christ wherever he was planted. And so for us, it brings us this point, is that God has gifted each follower of Jesus a platform from which to share him with the world. What I mean by this is that God has given us each a job, and it's not just a means for us to make a living, but it's a means for us to bring life, that life worth living to those who don't yet have it. See, our jobs, they become a platform on which to share the good news of Jesus with the world around us. And I had this discussion just earlier this week with a few people about how, you know, when we were younger, we had this idea, this dream of what life would be like, what we would be doing now, Right? Uh, and I don't know how many of you go, yeah, I got, you know, went to school, got that degree, and I am not using that, 
right? I don't know how many of y'all identify with that, but it's interesting how we have these plans, these ideas of what life's going to be like, and for good or bad or whatever, God has taken us in a different direction than what we originally assumed. We have to realize that we don't always get to pick our platform, but it's God who builds that platform and gives us that platform in which we're to stand on to do the work that he's called us to. And here's the thing is that we're not just left on this platform by ourselves. He doesn't give it to you and say, this is what I want you to do. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. No, he gifted us with the Holy Spirit inside of us to be able to speak the words, to do the actions, to do the thing that he has called us to each and every day. If you were to look through the book of Acts, and I encourage you, if you've never read through the book of Acts, go back and do it. It's such a great book. But we would find story after story pointing to these God-built platforms and these spirit-inspired moments where the followers of Jesus speak with boldness and, and courageousness where God wants his word to go forth. And here's the thing is that the truth is, is that's no different for us today. That the same God who 2,000 years ago built those platforms and filled his people with the spirit to do his work, he does the same for us today. And friends, we may not have a stadium We may not have a a street corner to preach on necessarily, but we have 90,000 hours in which God wants to do something through our lives. Our work matters. It is important what we do. I mean, I think about Paul, and I think about, yes, did he have the chance to speak before great crowds? Yeah. Did he have the chance to speak before powerful people? Yes. But he also had the chance to share the gospel with those in which he did life with most closely day in and day out. I mean, I can't imagine Paul not having a conversation with a supplier, right, who's bringing him some, some canvas for a tent. And he having this conversation about, you know, oh, you seem a little down today. What's going on? And being able to speak the love and the truth and the hope of Christ in them. To even be able to, to stand beside a coworker who may be act, acting unethically and be able to say, hey, we really don't do that. And here's why, because God has a better way. You can't tell me that Paul didn't infuse Jesus into the everyday part of his life with them. Now, I want to talk about these platforms. And so for each of us, we have a platform. Is that right? And so for some of us, we have a platform that is wide, that you come in contact with a lot of different people all week long. But your platform may not be super deep because of just the sheer number of folks that you come in contact with. But for others of you, you have a a pretty narrow platform. You come in contact with very few people in the week. But wow, the tremendous depth of the relationship that you have. See, here's the thing is that for each and every one of us, we have a platform and they don't all look equal. And and they come in different shapes and different sizes. But the truth is, is that they are all a gift from God to us. That he has us right where he needs us right now. And so I wonder, is there a reframe that we need to have whenever it comes to understanding our platforms and our work? You know, are you, do we need to have a reframe of what we think we're supposed to have? I think about how often in my life I've, I had spent trying to shape my own platform and have a bigger platform and this, that, and the other. And yet what God has given me is right what I need right now. 
And so maybe your platform is not as big or as wide or, or, or whatever as you want it to be, but you have to reframe and go, this is the gift that God has given me right now. For others, it may be that we have to reframe and go, oh, wait, I do have a platform that God has given me. Like just because work doesn't look like what I thought it would doesn't mean that God isn't going to use what God has gifted me with in this season of life right now. What reframe is it that needs to take place? And what I want us to see too is that each of us have these different platforms, right? And how beautiful, how wonderful it is whenever these platforms begin to come together, whenever we understand that we work together to create something more beautiful, something more unique than what we ever could on our own. Because alone, we're just alone, right? But together, we become more the fullness and the wonderfulness of the church that God has created and the power that he wants to display in this world. See, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12, 10, he says, there are many parts, but there is one body. So here's the point is that our platforms, they come together to make up a full or more beautiful expression of the church and of the kingdom of God. Think about this. In this room alone, there's a little over 200 different jobs represented. Probably more than that. I can't see how many people are out here. But some of you, you work in an office cubicle. Some of you, you work in a classroom. Others of you work in a line, maybe in one of the warehouses around here. Some of you stay home with your children. Uh, some of you are retired, and yet you are more busy than you were before, somehow. That's like one of those weird mysteries of retirement. But between 200 different jobs, we'll just make a round number there. Think about the sheer number of people that you come in contact with every week. Whether it's on a Zoom call, or it's someone in a store, or it's one of your customers, one of your suppliers, one of your students, maybe it's your children. Between 200 jobs, that is an astronomical number of people. And God wants to use that. Each one of those people that you come in contact with matter to God. Why would he not want to use this work that he's called you to and so I want you to just imagine with me, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes, even though some of you already have them closed, but I want you to take a step back and I want you to just zoom out from your job and I just want you to think about it with me for a moment. Ponder with me. What would it look like if we actually understood the impact that our work for God really can do? Like when we all come together, think about that. Those 200 plus jobs, when they all come together, when they're all functioning, they're all doing the purpose that God has called us to. Can you imagine the impact that that would have on this world? The mission and the purpose of God displayed. God saving a people for himself. And thank goodness that that doesn't just happen just within these four walls. Because I think about how we don't have non-believers who just walk in here every day. But that we get to go out into the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus, the mouthpiece of Jesus in the way that we work, in the way that we talk, in the way that we act. God wants to save a people. Are we going to use the platform that he has given us? That's our question this morning. Now, someone years ago, as I was stepping into a new role, uh, tried to encourage me uh, with this saying that comes from the book of Esther, that we were created for such a time as this. And I think that it's not just whenever we go into some new role or whatever, a new season, but for every single day, 
Every single moment, the work that we have to do is for such a time as this. And I want you to look at with me at the words of Paul from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Paul wrote this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. One of the things that has hit me more and more every single day as my kids begin to grow up is that time is precious. Time is precious. You don't get it back. It is here today and it's gone tomorrow, right? Like time is precious. Paul tells us we are to make the most of every opportunity. And so friends, for us, are we going to let these opportunities continue to pass us by in our work? Like time is short. The days are evil. We have to make the most of every opportunity. God's plan and purpose through your work is for such a time as this. It's for that interaction that you have with your coworkers. It's for the way that you get to do your job and do it well for your boss. It's the way that you get to, to do all the things that God has called you to do, redeeming our time in the Lord. So that we don't live like fools, but instead we live like those who do what the Lord wants with wisdom and with courage because it matters. And that's why this is that what you do with your position means more than the position itself. Friends, just like I talked about earlier, we have jobs that sometimes we didn't think that we would end up in, right? And it may not be where you want to be, but your faithfulness, your witness that you do in your job right now, that means so much more than that position that you have. Are we honoring God and our neighbor in our work? Or are we just trying to climb the ladder, stepping on hands and heads all the way up? Are we honoring God and our family in our work? Or are we choosing to play the victim because our job isn't necessarily as glamorous as other people's jobs and so we're just angry? So many different things. But God has placed you in your work for such a time as this. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. Our work matters. Our witness matters because our God cares. And he desires to, to do things for us to accomplish here and now on this earth. And so my question is, is why do we choose to be so selfish or compartmentalized with our work? thinking that it's separate from this identity that he's given us as followers of Jesus, these transformed lives. We've got, to see, we've got to come to understand that God wants more for us and more for this world, including our Monday through Saturday life as well. One of the profound ways to break free from this and for us to understand the redemption that God wants to bring to our work is this, is that the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. This is very important for us to understand. So the gospel comes to us on its way to someone else. What God has done in our lives, what God has done in Hunter Upton's life, he wants to do in someone else's. That freedom from addiction that you found, yeah, he wants to offer that to someone else. That hope, that peace, that comfort that you found in Jesus, yeah, he wants to offer that to someone else. That transformed heart and mind that all of a sudden is waking you up and you, man, you go, man, I am so different than I was a year ago. Yeah, that work, he wants to do that same work in someone else's life. That security that you've been holding on to in the heavenly father, 
Yeah. He wants to offer that to someone else. That's because God didn't intend for us to hold on to the gospel and keep it for ourselves. Friends, we've benefited far too greatly for it to be meant for just us. Instead, he wants us to share freely and openly with everyone that we have influence with, especially those who don't know the good news of Jesus, who haven't experienced that life, who are lost, who are hurting, who are stuck, who see no way out. We come in contact with those people each and every day in our workplaces. We spend so much time with the people at our work. Sometimes I feel like I spend more time at work than I do with my family. You probably feel that way too. It is a ripe place for such a time as this, for us to share the good news, that transformative love, that transformative grace, that transformative power of Jesus with them. I mean, think about your workplace. Think about all the relationships that you have. There's something beautiful about that, that God has wired us that way to do life together. But here's the thing is that we don't do life like the rest of the world. We're not meant to because we're different. We're called to be different. What we have is different than the world. Paul told us that these days are evil and since they are, we're to be different. And so we interact with others with authenticity and love. Whether it's with the people or the organization itself, we are different. See, we claim to have something that the world doesn't have, and that's life in Christ. And so why don't we behave like it? Why don't we live like it? Why don't we, we show others that that is true? And the truth is, is that this doesn't come from ourselves, but it flows from God. And so let's look at the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to give us two things for us uh, to be. But here's what Jesus said, beginning in verse 13 of Matthew 5. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. First thing that, this, that we can glean from this passage is that we are to be salt. We're to be salt. We're to be salt. And, you know, I love salt. Don't tell my insurance company, but I love salt. It just makes everything taste so much better, right? Like, you can't tell me that you don't cut a tomato and then put some salt on it to just make it like heaven on earth, right? Like, it is the best thing there is. I love homegrown tomatoes. All right, we'll leave it there. <laughs> but salt adds flavor, right? Salt adds flavor. And Jesus is saying this, is that in this bland world, in this world that offers awful tastes, where life seems to be meaningless, we offer something different. We offer the flavor of Christ, the offer of transformation to the world. It's Christ through us. We bring flavor to this entree of life around us, right? We're to bring him and this life-giving offer that he has for others. So what would it look like as we are salt, what would it look like that if in, instead of in our workplaces, instead of spreading gossip, what if instead we, we didn't speculate and instead we found the truth? We went straight to that person and asked, hey, this is what I'm hearing. Is that true? 
What if we did that? That sounds different. What if, what if instead of, of demeaning others with our speech as often what happens in an office, what if instead we chose to honor people with our speech, to speak words of truth and kindness to them? And there's so many ways that this can play out in our work, in our platforms. It's funny how oftentimes what Christ has called us to, I mean, the whole Sermon on the Mount it seems like this, but it's here's what the world has done and I want you to be opposite, right? What would it look like for us to be opposite in the world? And here's the thing about salt is it's pretty attractive, right? Like when you have something that's not salty, friends, as we are salt to those around us, it is attractive that they are drawn to Christ because of that. Now, the second thing that we glean from this Matthew chapter 5 passage is that we are to be light, to be light. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever, like, gone out of town at some point and arrived at a hotel late at night, and you open the door, and, you, and it's just, like, pitch black, and you're like, all right, got to find the lights. God be with us, right? And so you're just, like, stumbling around trying not to die. Uh, friends, for a lot of people in this world, that is exactly what it's like without Christ. It's stumbling around in a dark room just praying, I guess praying to God. I don't know who you pray to if you don't know Jesus, but just hoping that you don't hurt yourself too badly, right? Because you just want to make it to the end. What Christ has given us is something far more greater than what this world has to offer. He is light that illuminates a room. He is life that, light that illuminates our very lives. And so, friends, as Christ has said, be light. In those dark places of your workplace, be light. In your home, be light. We're to help other people find the light of Jesus through our lives. There's darkness all around us. And some of you are in workplaces that there are unethical things that happen behind doors that you know of. There's sketchy behaviors that happen. You see, you witness it, you see it. But we're to be different. We're to be different. Let us shine bright the light of Christ as we dare to be different as we are called to be in Christ. So Jesus said, be salt. And he said, be light. Peter goes on to kind of build on this. And we find this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter wrote, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So Peter, he talks about being eager to do good. And so which leads us to our next point here is that we want to do good. You know, are we eager to do good? I think sometimes we're eager to just make it through the day, right? To make it to quitting time so we can go home, right? But are we eager to do good in where God has planted us every single day? No matter what happens when we do good, we have nothing to fear. And that we're blessed because of it. Peter told us that, and that's so true. 
And our desire to do good, is it, it isn't found within ourselves, right? We're not inherently good people, but it's Christ through us. We need him to do that transformative work in us. If you find yourself at work and you're like, man, I'm not sure, God, I, I don't feel like I want to do good. Ask him to make you eager, eager to do good, eager to do what he's called you to do. And when you feel the spirit nudge you, when you feel him saying, hey, I want you to speak this word. Hey, no, I want you to do the right thing. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. It can't hurt. You never know what God's going to do through that one act of your faithfulness to him. We step out in faith. In our workplaces, wherever our platform is, we want to choose others above ourselves. We take on the likeness of Christ. We want to choose others before ourselves. We want to encourage those who are hurting. We want to meet the needs of others and not just ourselves. And there are so many other ways that we can be eager to do good. And the second thing that Paul, uh, Peter encourages us to from this passage is to stand out. To stand out. See, this world, it reveres itself as Lord, right? My, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. All of that. But here's the thing is that those of us who follow Jesus, we have a king. We have a Lord. We have a savior and it's Jesus Christ. This world, it places its hope in things that will diminish and, and things that shift from moment to moment. But friends, we have a God that we place our hope in, a living God and a living hope. One that is unshakable, unmovable, perfect and faithful. Why would we not offer that to others? We stand out. See, the world, it takes forcefully what it wants and as it wishes. But as Peter encouraged us, what do we do? We live lives with gentleness and respect. The, the world, it hides in shame for what it does. But friends, because of the grace and the love of Jesus, we have a clear and free conscience because of what Christ has done to live courageously for him. Our sin doesn't hold us down. He's transforming us and renewing us and sanctifying us to use us to bring others in. Stand out. Stand out. Be different. That's who God has called us to be in our workplaces. So what do you want to be when you grow up? I think some of us are still trying to figure that out. But here's the thing. My prayer is, is that for, for any of us, whatever the platform is that we find ourselves standing on right now, is that we would be faithful. That not only we would be faithful in the work, but we would be faithful to point others to Jesus as he wants to gather them to himself. See, all of our work matters. And ultimately, all of our work is kingdom focused. It's kingdom work. And what ha all of this happens within the flow of our everyday lives. And we all participate together, right, as the body of Christ to make a greater impact on this world. The work that we do, the witness that we have, it is for such a time as this. So be salt, be light, do good, stand out. Let's not waste our work. Let's use that platform that God has given us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of your gospel. God, we thank you for this time. And Father, I pray that my words would have been pleasing to you, Lord, and that you will stir all of us up by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be more faithful in the work that you've called us to. 
Lord, would you help us to recognize where you have put us, what you have built us around? And Lord, would you help us to infuse you into our everyday lives, even our work, Lord? Father, you are so good. And we're so grateful for the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ and for his sacrifice that gives us freedom and life. So Lord, would you help us not hang on to that for ourselves, but Lord, would you empower us by the power of your Holy Spirit to share that good news with those around us that we come in contact with each and every week. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, in just a moment, we're gonna praise you for who you are and what you've done. Help us to always live lives of gratitude. Lord, we love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing a song of response. Feel free to respond as God is, is nudging you this morning. You're welcome to come pray down front or in your seats, but I encourage you to sing. Sing these words of truth. So let's stand and sing together.